Tell me who hath believed, hath believed our report, and to whom is it revealed, the mighty arm of the Lord. Hello, I'm Kathy Davidson. I'd like you to join me and the ministers of music from Water of Life Church here in Plano, Texas. As we minister the gospel, the death, burial, and resurrection of the Lord Jesus, which is the power of God. In April 11, 1970, this little girl was sitting in her TV room on the wood floor watching TV. She was watching the Apollo 13 take off. I'm one of those space girls, I guess you would say. If you are my age or older, you'll remember these days. And I used to watch with excitement uh, rocket ships taking off. Anybody that knows me knows that I like engines. And I thought that the rocket ship was the epitome. I got so excited when I heard the countdown. And then when I heard, we have ignition. And then I would hear, it cleared the tower, we have liftoff. Those were wonderful days. But Apollo 13, if you remember, and if you don't, Listen to the story. They were on their way to the moon to land. 55 hours into the mission, the flight controllers asked Swaggart, he was the command module captain, to turn on the hydrogen oxygen tank stirring fans to keep that gas moving. And about a minute and a half later, they heard a loud bang. At first they thought a small meteorite had hit the module. But that's not what happened. They actually had an explosion on board. What happened was the number two oxygen tank had exploded. I remember watching intently this mission. I was 12 years old. They had to abort the mission. No longer were they going to go to the moon. In fact, their concern was can they bring these three men home? They were 200,000 miles away from home on their way to the moon. Because of the damage, the crew had to leave the command module, that's the rocket part of the ship, and move into the lunar module. And they had to put the lunar module systems to the lowest level that they could possibly be so that those three men would survive the three-day trip back home. The temperatures in the lunar module, I remember, were about 40 degrees. And they had to wear their space suits and they had condensation in the spacesuit, so for three days they had cold, wet feet. It was harrowing time for all of us. I remember watching TV as churches, whole churches would get together and pray for these three men that they would come home. I remember the day that they landed. I remember sitting in my, on the TV room on my knees on the floor praying the day that they were to land. The problem was that they weren't sure with that explosion if the, the heat uh, tiles had survived the explosion, the heat shield. If they had not, we were going to lose the men just like every rocket ship, every mission for four minutes where they would go radio dead silent. I, my father was a ham radio operator. I knew all about this. For four minutes, that rocket ship was going to be in radio silence. At the end of that rocket ship, at the end of that radio silence, they were either going to hear from the, the rocket that the three men had survived, 
or they were not. And if they did not hear from them, then they knew that the men had perished. I remember America as a whole, not wishing happy thoughts and not wishing warm feelings, but they were praying to the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob and asking that he have mercy on these three men and bring them home. Church after church was meeting and praying as this mission was finishing. I, as a 12-year-old girl, was on my knees in a TV room on the wood floor. I remember praying, asking God for the mercy to bring these men home. I remember when we went radio silent. It was going to take four minutes. America, do you remember those days? Do you remember that time? Do you remember when almost every single TV radio was on in America listening to hear if God had mercy on these three men? We weren't thinking about uh, luck or, or warm thoughts. We were asking God in heaven as a whole, as a nation in whole, whether these three men were going to come home. I remember at the end of the four minutes of the radio silence, they turned on all the... Um, what would you call it, audio devices, so we could hear any communication. I could hear Nassau calling, saying, command module, do you hear us, in certain words. I remember that four minutes hit, and it was still silent. Amen. I remember everyone sitting, there, the, whole, the nation as a whole went silent. There was no radio announcer or TV announcer speaking during those seconds after radio silence. Everyone was holding their breath and praying that these men would survive. You know, it was 87 seconds after radio silence that America stood in silence with their eyes on God and their ears open to that TV set. You know, I remember the moment, 87 seconds later, where you heard the sound, okay, Joe. Okay, Joe. That was swaggered in the command module telling them they had made it. They had gotten through the atmosphere. They were alive. America as a whole was full of joy as we saw those astronauts land in the ocean. We were full of joy when we saw the hatch open and those three men get out alive. America, what happened to you? Have you forgotten the God that has been with you these 230 years? Have you forgotten him? I have a great song to play right now. It's Kathy Mai, Was It a Morning Like This? This song reminds me of the feeling that we had when we heard from that command module. Was it a morning like this When the sun was still hid from Jerusalem Mary rose from her bed To tend the Lord she thought was dead Was it a morning like this
Let's pray. Father, I thank you. Father, I thank you. Father, let the power of my Lord be great. Father, let the power of my Lord be great. Father, let the power of my Lord be great and grant us repentance. Open our eyes that we can see. Open our hearts like you did for Lydia, that we can attend unto the things which are spoken. Turn us from darkness to light, from the power of Satan unto God. And I ask this in Jesus' name, amen. These last couple weeks I've been talking about the gospel and the relation of the blood of Jesus. I'd like you to turn with me to Hebrews 9. I'm going to begin in verse 19. You know, the blood of Jesus is part of that gospel. Jesus shed his blood when he was on the tree. Let's take a look at it. Verse 19. For when Moses had spoken every precept to all the people according to the law, he took the blood of goat or calves and of goats with water and scarlet wool and hyssop and sprinkled both the book and all the people, saying, This is the blood of the testament which God has enjoined unto you. Moreover, he sprinkled with blood both the tabernacle and all the vessels of the ministry. And almost all things are by the law purged with blood. And look at this next statement. And without shedding of blood is no remission. Without shedding of blood, there is no remission. It was therefore necessary that the pattern of things in heaven should be purified with these, but the heavenly things themselves with better sacrifices than these. For Christ... For Jesus, for Christ is not entered into the holy place made with hands, which are the figures of the true, but into heaven itself now to appear unto God for us. Jesus took his blood that he shed on the cross to heaven. Now, let's turn to Hebrews 13. We're going to look at what that blood did for us as in sanctification. And I'm going to begin in verse 11. For the bodies of those beasts whose blood is brought into the sanctuary by the high priest for sin, we just read about that, are burned without the camp. Verse 12, Wherefore Jesus also, that he might sanctify the people with his own blood, with his own blood, suffered without the gate, that Jesus might sanctify the people. Now, Let's take a look at sanctification. I want us to turn to Exodus 19. And I'm going to read from verse 23. It says, And Moses said to the Lord, and this was uh, the Lord and Moses were talking about Mount Sinai. He was talking about getting the Ten Commandments. And Moses said unto the Lord, The people cannot, or the people cannot come up to Mount Sinai, for thou chargest us, saying, Set bounds about the mount and sanctify it. So God told Moses, don't let anybody on that mount, but sanctify it. So Mount Sinai was sanctified. So what does God say about Mount Sinai? Turn with me to Psalm 68. Let's take a look at what God said about that sanctified Mount Sinai. I'm going to read Psalm 68, verse, 20, uh, verse 17. The chariots of God are 20,000, even thousands of angels. The Lord is among them 
as in Sinai, in the holy place. God called Sinai a holy place. He also called it sanctified. Now, if you go to Genesis 2, 3, we're not going to go there, but I'm going to read it. And God blessed the seventh day and sanctified it. So now we've got a mountain that's sanctified, and now we've got a day that's sanctified. What did God say about that seventh day, that sanctified day? Well, in Exodus 31, 15, God speaks of it again. Six days may work be done, but in the seventh is the Sabbath of rest, holy to the Lord. So we see that sanctification by the blood of Jesus has to do with setting apart, has to do with dedicated to God, and has to do with holy. So now what do we do now that we know that by the blood of Jesus, by faith in the blood of Jesus, we are sanctified, we are set apart to God. Do you know that is a big deal? That is a big deal for God to set us apart, to dedicate us to himself. He considers that important because he gave his own son blood for it. Now, I want us to go to Hebrews 10 and let's see what God says about us being sanctified. I'm going to go to Hebrews 10, 20, verse 28. I'm going to begin there. This is the writer of Hebrews speaking. He that despised Moses' law died without mercy under two or three witnesses. Now look at this next verse. Of how much sore punishment suppose you shall be thought worthy who has trodden underfoot the Son of God and has counted the blood of the covenant, that's Jesus' blood, wherewith he was sanctified. The blood of Jesus, wherewith he was sanctified, an unholy thing, and has done despite under the Spirit of grace. For we know him that has said, Vengeance belongeth unto me, I will recompense, saith the Lord. And again, the Lord shall judge his people. It is a fearful thing to fall into the hands of the living God. Do you see what this verse is saying? That suppose you shall be thought worth sore punishment. Suppose you, shall he be thought worthy who has trodden underfoot the blood of his son, Jesus, and has counted the blood of the covenant wherewith he was sanctified. Do you see that you are sanctified, set apart to God by the shedding of Jesus' blood? Now, you are set apart to God, dedicated to God, considered holy. What are you doing with that sanctified body? What are you doing with the body that God sanctified by his own son's blood? What are you doing with that body? Let's turn to one last verse. We're going to go to 1 Thessalonians 4. That blood, faith in the blood of Jesus... Trusting in what that blood did for you sanctifies you, sets you apart to God. You are set apart to God by that blood. So what are you doing with that body that you have set, that God has set apart by the blood of Jesus? Let's read verse 1. Furthermore, then we beseech you, brethren, and exhort you by the Lord Jesus, that as you have received us of us, how you ought to walk and to please God so that you would abound more and more. 
For you know what commandments we gave you by the Lord Jesus. For this is the will of God. Even your sanctification, your faith in that blood that brings about your sanctification. You know, sanctification isn't a one-time thing. It is a process. It goes from faith to faith and grace to grace, just like everything else. But sanctification is being set apart to God so God can use you. So God can use you. That's what your faith is in. So for this is the will of God, even your sanctification, that you should abstain from fornication, that every one of you should know how to possess his vessel in sanctification and honor. Not in the lust of concupiscence, even as the Gentiles which know not, know not God, that no man go beyond and defraud his brother in any matter, because that the Lord is the avenger of all such, as you also have forewarned you and testified. For God has not called us unto uncleanness, but unto holiness. There's those two words again, sanctification and holiness. What do we do with our bodies? We serve God in our spirit, in the gospel, the death, burial, and resurrection of the Lord Jesus. Our faith is in the blood of the Lord Jesus. That's what we trust in, that death, that burial and resurrection. And we, as it says here, possess our bodies. We keep them sanctified by faith in that gospel. You know, concupiscence means desire. It means lust. You know, the one that got me, it means craving. Craving. We take control of our hearts through faith in the death, burial, and resurrection of the Lord Jesus in that blood that God had Jesus shed for us to set us apart to him. I have a great song here. The Brown Brothers, Grace to the Humble. Let it minister to you while it plays. I give grace to the humble when they call. I give leanness to the prideful soul, living to them all. As the days are passing, will the prideful look to me. Like a humble spirit, he set free. I give grace to the humble when they call. I give leanness to the prideful soul, living to them all. As the days are passing, will the prideful look to me. Like a humble spirit, he set free. Can't you see your life is not your own? Come release your burdens at the foot of my throne. Walk with me in the spirit in the cool of the day. When this life is over, child, I'll take you away. I give grace to the humble To the prideful soul, living to them all. As the days are passing, will the 
the bride will look to me. Like a humble spirit, be set free. Turn from all your busyness and strive. You thought I was in labor, but I want your life. Give that precious something that you hold within your hands. Let me search your heart now. Tell me, don't you understand? I give grace to the humble when they call. I give leanness to the prideful soul, living through them all. As the days are passing, will the prideful look to me? Like a humble spirit, be set free. Can't you see your life is not your own? Come release your burdens at the foot of my throne. Walk with me in the spirit in the cool of the day. When this life is over, child, I'll take you away. I'll give grace to the humble when they call. I give a leanness to the prideful soul, living to them all. As the days are passing, will the prideful look to me? Like a humble spirit, be set free. I give grace to the humble when they call. I give leanness to the prideful soul, living to them all. As the days are passing, will the prideful look to me? Like a humble spirit, be set free. preaching here for over a year, teaching about the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus. Do you need something from God? Do you need God to do something for you? Well, let's turn to Romans 10, and I'm going to begin in verse 8. But what saith it? The word is nigh thee, even in thy mouth and in thy heart. That is the word of faith which we preach. If you look a little bit above there, you know what the word of faith is? That Jesus died, that he was buried, and that he rose again. That is the word of faith. And it says that if thou shalt confess with thy mouth, that means open your mouth. If thou shalt confess with thy mouth the Lord Jesus and shall believe in thine heart that God has raised him from the dead, thou shalt be saved. Do you know that word saved means anything that you need from God? If you need born again, and you confess with your mouth the Lord Jesus and believe that God has raised him from the dead, you will be born again. Well, what if you're born again, but you need your sins forgiven? Do you know if you believe in your heart that God raised Jesus from the dead because Jesus bore your sins on the cross? He bore everything that you'd ever done on his own body on that tree. And he died and he was buried and the father raised him from 
and forgave all your sins. When you confess that with your mouth and believe it in your heart, trust in it, your sins will be forgiven and you will be justified. Do you know that if you need money, if you need a job, do you know if you confess with your mouth the Lord Jesus and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead? Why? Because Jesus became poor on the cross so you would be rich. He took on your poverty. He took on any curse that causes that money not to come. He took that on his own body, took it from you. And God put it on him so that you could be prosperous, so that you could be rich. That's what he did for you. And when you confess that with your mouth and you believe that in your heart and, and believe that God raised him from the dead, dealt with it, paid for your poverty, paid for those curses that stopped your money from coming, you know what happens? You will be saved. The prosperity will come. Do you know that if you need healing, if there is something in your body that needs healed, that if you confess with your mouth the Lord Jesus, that he died, and when he was on that cross, he bore your sickness, your disease. He bore your pain on his own body. Notice your disease, your pain. He bore on his own body. When you confess that with your mouth and believe in your heart, believe it, trust in it, hang on to it, that Jesus was raised from the dead and healed of all sickness, all disease, your sickness, your disease, your pain. You shall be saved. It'll manifest in front of your eyes. Until next time, God bless. Thank you for joining Kathy Davidson and the musicians from Water of Life Church. She'd love to hear from you. You may reach her by email at Kathy, K-A-T-H-I-E, at KathyDavidsonWOL.com. That's W-O-L for Water of Life. Or you may write her at Kathy Davidson, Care of Water of Life Church, P.O. Box 861327, Plano, Texas, 75086. You may find her on the internet at www.KathyDavidsonWOL.com and on Facebook and Twitter. Until next time, God bless.